0: Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Jeff Bender and this is Knee Deep, Season 2, Episode 43. I appreciate you joining me today and welcome your feedback on Instagram at author Jeff Bender or on my website at jeffmbender.com. Uh, don't forget the M as in more please. This episode is called Ducking Behind the Sushi. This is going to be one of those episodes you either love or hate, because the topic is sushi. I realize there are hardcore sushi fans out there who could eat those little seaweed nuggets all day long and go back for a second plank. To these folks, sushis are encapsulated in texture, patterned like a spring meadow a graceful world unto themselves, a magical, multicolored elixir for life laying gently across a cedar board. Saying I don't like them around our house, or I'd like to use these in a miniature frisbee golf tournament, is a kind of blasphemy, and when I do, I run the risk of awakening the domestic kraken and being slapped multiple times with chopsticks by those who purport to love me the most. However, and here it is, those dinky circles of tightly woven bites seem to me like a kind of Zen meditation wrapped in rice paste, a snack you eat while sitting cross-legged in a rock garden during a counseling session. I'm a fan of counseling, so it's not about mental health, and I have a rock garden, so it's not about rocks. I just can't take the thought of the two of them together, rocks and counseling, all bundled up in kelp. The one time I tried sushi, I could not help but notice the Chinese zodiac paper uh, placemat underneath, the one that represents every animal as a year. I became anxious, wondering whether I was in a year other than the one I was actually living in, particularly in regard to the checks I'd recently written. Should I have been using the date line at the top to write the year of the rooster, or God forbid, the year of the rat? I can tell you there's not enough room on my checks to write Year of the Dragon and my bank isn't going to issue me special checks to accommodate a foreign calendar that is completely different than the one used by the rest of the known world. Even if I could get past the Chinese year, I still cringe thinking of eating sushi made with octopus eyeballs and smoked prawn that feels like it's trying to transcend my own spirituality or duck in behind my own faith and leave me as some animal form like a cockroach. It's just a lot of spirituality for me to handle, and frankly, it scares me to death. I'm a lot more comfortable with other, less devouted, round foods, like a Wallace and Gromit Oreo cookie. Maybe a bit of whipped cream straight down the old gizzard to top it off. That eases a lot of humble tension for me. My wife picked up a package of sushi the other day right after church. I wondered at the time whether there was something in the sermon, something small and circular and packed with seaweed that inspired her to bring sushi home with us. I heard the same sermon she did, and I can tell you there was not a word in there about what to eat for lunch, particularly anything about perfectly crafted cylindrical collages. Then I wondered whether there was something I had missed in the church message. Perhaps something about sesame seeds, or ginger, or using chopsticks as a martial arts weapon. As we piled on the groceries at checkout, cashier lady, scanning the saran wrap package of roly-poly sushi sliders, asked a probing question. What do you like about these things, she asked my wife. Oh, I love sushi, my wife was quick to answer. They're so good. They've got a little everything in them. The lady shot a glance to me to see if I was on board with all this. I just shook my head. I can't do them, I said. Every one is exactly the same size. It looks like a ration to me, like something already divided up. There's no gravy or anything to go with them. Oh, you got to have the fixins piped in the register lady. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's all about those fixins. Give me some cornbread, slather that puppy up with butter and jelly and I'm there. Home for supper, baby. That's my people's food. "Well, I like sushi," my wife continued, "because it's filling, but you don't feel full when you eat it. Like eating a salad. My husband, he likes the whole nine yards, a plate meal. Chicken the works. Oh, I'm with that, Register lady said. Give me all that, the whole meal and the gravy. I want that chicken and all the sides and mashed potatoes. I'm with him. I was laughing hysterically, but I began to feel that the I'm with him part didn't go over that well with my wife. Our quiet ride home gave me some time to think about what I really don't like about sushi. Actually, the taste of sushi is a lot like nothing I've ever eaten, and by nothing, I mean it has no taste at all. Were those fellers faking it as chicken nuggets or hors d'oeuvres? Was there some ancient wisdom inside each one, like rings in a tree that foretold the day each one of us would meet our destiny? Was there something medicinal in that stickyish texture, the Elmer's glue that holds them together? I used to eat Elmer's glue when I was a kid, and really, it wasn't all that bad. By sheer coincidence, we had just taken a hard right curve through a roundabout when it hit me. The reason I don't care for sushi was that every sushi light singular for sushi, is exactly the same size and shape as the next one, every single one, with no variety. The freedom I had always thought was a given, that is, the size of a bite of food I put in my mouth, had already been determined by a sushi light, sous-chef preparer person, not me. I realized I needed to be making those kinds of decisions myself and take control of my own bites, my own sushi destiny, the master and commander of my sushi ship. It wasn't always this way. On the radar screen of sushi history, a small blip determined the bite size of this now popular food form, a proportion we must all accept and use for the rest of our lives. There's no changing it. Sushi's size and shape are here to stay. And the truth behind it, as you're about to hear, is stranger than a bamboo shoot. Some 75 years ago, the now defunct Chinese province of Zhuang was drawn erroneously into the battle for Fuang Bay and sent the only ship in their fleet out to do battle with enemy naval forces. Blown to smithereens before the crew even had a chance to put down their centerboard, the four men on board clambered onto a wide brimmed garden hat and, using only their wits and military rations, began a thousand-mile journey that is just now being made public. Forensic evidence taken from the contents of their stomachs now suggests they used toothpaste to form circles and filled the little donut-like shapes with bean bits, dried goat milk, and the random jellyfish tentacles they could gather overboard. Incredulous, as it now seems, those adorable stomach remains of nutrition became, years later, the inspiration for what is now our modern-day Sushi. Tragically, the city of Shuangzhen disappeared from the map by a rare collapse of the earth which swallowed up all nineteen residents, a mix of both urban and rural flute carvers. This is a true story, at least the one I tell myself late at night when I lie awake trying to imagine how Sushi gained such worldly power. Resisting my own short-sightedness and in an effort to gain my rightful place and stature back in our family, I knew I had to test my theory. Were all shusha lights truly the same size? I returned to the store, snuck up to the sushi counter, and with one expert motion, slid open a package of California rolls, those artistic Lincoln Log masterpieces. Incredibly... I came up with the same measurements for each one, down to the millisushi meter. I was doomed, and I could feel the pressure beginning to build in my brow. I wanted to be wrong, to be able to leave the store and believe there was variety in those mixed sushis, but it was not to be. Before I could slice through another package in my desperate attempt to find one that was a different size. I heard a voice murmuring over my shoulder. You see any fried chicken in there? Any cornbread? Came the the faint voice in my ear. Remember, it's all about the fixin's, always the fixin's. I turned around and scanned the grocery horizon, but there was no one there. Maybe it was the year of the snake, or worse, the year of the bat, maybe. But I like to think it was the year of the whispering cashier with all the fixins, and I could live with that. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Please subscribe so you receive notifications of future episodes. I look forward to wading in knee-deep with you next week.